everyone welcome back to another episode of don't be so dramatic my name is rachel and this is the podcast where i talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there for this week's episode i have with me someone who is incredibly experienced in our industry and is also such a lovely person i have with me mark morrissey now mark is an agent or a theatrical manager in the entertainment industry. Mark represents some of the biggest Australian talent um, in the industry, both here and overseas. Um, So I wanted to know where it all kind of started for Mark, where he started out in the industry, where he started out as an agent and how he got to be where he is today, which is in such an amazing position. He also has his own production company, so we talked about producing and what he looks for in the projects that he takes on. It's always interesting to find um, what moments in time led to where people are today and I was definitely intrigued by all of Mark's stories as to how he got to be where he is today. So I hope you get something out of this episode. I know I certainly did. So without further ado, let's jump in. Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Well, no problem. Um, Now, Mark, you are um, a Sydney-based agent, a casting agent. Um, Now, I wanted to ask you, did you you start out in the industry as an actor? Is that correct? Um, I did. Um, Let me just... uh, unpick that a little bit i'm actually a theatrical agent or referred to as a theatrical manager not a casting agent mm-hmm. i can certainly um go into what exactly a casting agent is a little yeah. bit later but yeah i'm an agent or a manager whatever your preference is um yes i was i started life as as an, an, an actor i um i left school at a very early age and did a whole variety of jobs um, from about 15 and a half through to when I was about 20. And okay. then um, a friend of mine who we were uh, behind a bar, a public bar in Melbourne working together, and he wanted to audition for the National Theatre. And he asked if I would go along and um, keep him company, give him a bit of support. <laughs> and uh, he, he did his audition and I sat in this big brown leather chair in the foyer at the National Theatre and he finished and he left and then the, the woman that ran it, her name was Joan Harris, uh, she came out and she was such a powerful woman. Uh, I've never encountered anyone quite like her. She walked out and looked me up and down and said, so what's your story? <laughs> um, and I, I, I tried to explain, I'm just here for my friend. I'm not here for anything else. She said, come in, let's have a chat. And Joan Harris, completely turned my life around in that in that moment she offered me to go into the theater and I I, at that stage if if I can be honest to all of Mm. your listeners I had never seen a play really I'd never been given I've never seen a play um a live play up until I did my very first year at the National Theater and I saw um 
I saw, uh, I played this at the Melbourne Theatre Company, but before that, I didn't know what theatre acting was. I didn't oh, really? know what a theatre actor was. And she enabled me for the next three years to study and learn and change my life. And um, I graduated and, and then worked as an actor. <laughs> That's so interesting. It, it's almost like because there was no prerequisite of this is what a theatre actor is and uh, this is how one presents themselves as an actor. It's, uh, I imagine that you approached that initial audition and then your acting career afterwards in a quite an honest way because... Yeah, I, 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 I used instincts. I, I certainly yes. used a lot of training that I was very fortunate to be given, but um, I was very instinctive. Uh, to be really honest, I don't think I knew what the hell I was doing for most of the time. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I live by that now. Um, but uh, I, 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 uh, I was lucky enough, you know, I, I was given opportunity, I was picked up by an agent in, in Melbourne by Lorraine West and she she represented me and she she took this young man under her wing and i, I did television series and and soapies and tvcs but quite honestly i don't think i was very good at all i'm not i'm not entirely, i'm not entirely sure why they all tolerated me oh my god i'm sure you were somewhat good because you were getting work for a while yeah i think i no, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure <laughs> funny <laughs> so I guess then um where when did the interest for um becoming an agent sort of come into it was there a kind of a, a moment where you um looked at your acting career and thought I think I need a change or was it something an opportunity that kind of just popped up for you or how did that kind of come about it was a little bit, a little bit of all of that. I at drama school um, was given the opportunity to put together a, a really large cabaret on a Saturday night for about three hundred people, and I'd never ever done anything quite like that before. But um, I found that I was, I had a skill in being able to organise people and and rope people in and enthuse them, and then put together. Um, a package that they would find palatable. So I learned just by the seat of my pants, I learned how to produce from there. Well, that started my, my journey. And then I, um, I moved up from Melbourne to Sydney and I was finding it really difficult to find an agent up in Sydney. Okay. Uh, my lovely agent in Melbourne was still repping me. And I was just starting to lose a little interest in it. Um, it wasn't. It, it didn't give me enough. There were there weren't enough things to do in in my very short and questionable career. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a it was a, an encounter with a dear friend who offered me the advice and said, "I I think you would be really good at this agenting." So I called my agent in Melbourne and asked if they'd consider opening a Sydney office, which I would run. Oh, and okay. We put, and we put so little time into this thought. Well, you know, today <laughs> um, one needs a business plan and an, and an IM and a whole 
range of business structure before you launch. Mm -hmm. We came up with the idea on the Thursday <laughs> and we launched the agency on the Tuesday morning. Oh my God. <laughs> really? It was, it was like that. And I, I, again, I'm so lucky because you, I don't think you could do anything like that now. So I, we launched uh, the agency and I ran that Sydney office for seven years. And after seven years, I um, decided to branch off and, and run my own agency, which I did, which was Morrissey management. And that's, something like 32, 33 years ago now. Wow. It's so interesting in terms of, sometimes I think that people, um, when they're kind of, they decide that they want to go down a certain path, I think sometimes people kind of get caught up in their own mind and um, put almost too much preparation into something and it kind of all falls falls apart because I you know you can't predict what's going to happen with things you kind of just have to take it day by day um so it's you know in a sense I I, I can understand why you know just going all right well this is what we're going to do and this is how it, it we'll just see you know what happens um which I guess kind of comes back to the idea that you know um it, it would it was a decision that you just thought okay well this is something that I'm interested in now let's give it a try let's see where it grows goes rather than you know a pre-planned like I've been wanting to be an agent for years and I've been waiting for something to happen I've been planning you know you kind of just get in your own head then and it come, kind of becomes a manufactured thing rather than a, a realistic idea I think I, I think the term is is paralysis by analysis I mm. I have met a number of people that are so hell bent on what they believe it is that they're wanting that they get in their own way and mm. they one of the the pieces of advice that i try to give young graduating actors is to remain as open as you possibly can throughout your career um be open to all opportunities because mm. i was lucky to become an agent and then I, I very quickly uh, I was with a friend and we were producing theatre at that stage and we both decided we need our own theatre so you know we jump in his car and we drive around Sydney looking for a theatre and <laughs> we, we literally drive to a little place it was a little 112 seat theatre in Bay Street in Glebe and the door was open and we went let's go in <laughs> And um, we ended up leasing that building for three years and we produced uh, 52 uh, pieces of original theatre throughout Australia. We toured uh, all around Australia. We toured um, England with some of our projects and we learned how to produce for festivals. And that um, was occurring at the same time as being an agent. So I... I, I, I think I'm a little bit of a restless soul because I, I don't necessarily want to be defined by any one thing that I do. I like mm. trying different things. And sometimes that's working. Sometimes it really hasn't. You know, you, you sometimes bite off a little more than you can chew. But, <laughs> yes. Or, um, but um, I, I think it's important for young actors, emerging actors who are developing, 
to remain as, as fluid as they possibly can. Um, yes, if being an actor is all they want to do, if that's their desire and aim, um, so be it. Go and be that. But also don't don't restrict yourself in becoming a, a, a better human being along the way. And that, mm. That's by reading and sharing stories with friends or, or, or developing projects or being a great musician or writer or a crewman or person behind the scenes director. There's so many opportunities in this business and they, they're, they're not limiting, they're growing. I'm watching an explosion of opportunity at the moment during this time. Um, so there's, there's, there's certainly no need to feel like there isn't enough to do. For sure. I, I mean, on that, I, I definitely understand the idea of, you know, if you do want to become an actor, that that fear of try, not taking on something else because you don't want to become known for that thing. And that definitely happened for me personally when I started this podcast, you know, um, I, I did have that fear of, but I'm an actor, that's what I want to do. Um, and I don't want people to think I'm just a podcaster or, you know, I, um, that's what I kind of become in inverted commas known for. Um, but as time has gone on and, you know, you, um, realize that that is a limiting belief, um, and you are limiting yourself in thinking that so many, you know, it, it's become evident that they they don't have to be mutually exclusive, you know? Um, they, they can intertwine and it's amazing. And, you know, I've had so many amazing opportunities because of this podcast and that has helped in my acting career. So. Well, good for you. You know, I've, I'm, I've been made aware of the last couple of years that there's a couple of acting institutions that actually give classes, um, in the final year talking about what is your brand. And yes, yeah. For me, that I, I can't make head or tail about why that would even be a discussion. Because if you're in the third year, probably you're anywhere between the ages of 20 to, to 23, 19 to 23, you have no idea what you are. And why limit yourself at that early stage about what you could become? Don't, don't even go down the path of discussing you as a brand because what makes a great actor is all the things that they are as a human being, mm-hmm. uh, not as a label. You know, all the things that they bring into a room. Or I, I had the most marvellous time yesterday. I, I have a production company and mm-hmm. we're producing film and television and I've just um, optioned a, a wonderful feature film script, a new Australian feature film script by an author by the name of Tim Kane. And so I decided I needed to hear the dialogue. So I did a Zoom script reading yesterday with um, eight actors and an audience. And it was just tremendous. We, we spent two and a half hours. We spent about 30 minutes getting the technical side of it right. But once we got that, we, we delved in and unpicked the script. And the, the script writer is so enthused now, having heard his words actually yeah. spoken. Yeah, yeah. It's so, yeah, I I just think if, as an actor, you want to have a long career in the industry, I mean, that's, you know, the ultimate goal. If you are genuinely interested in acting, I think, you know, a lifelong career in the industry would be amazing. And 
I think you just have to be adaptable in that sense in in terms of what uh, roles you take on, whether that be a director or actor, producer, writer, um, whatever have you. Um, but yeah, be real. I, I, and the brand thing I agree with as well. I think that it is very easy to fall into, especially as a young actor, you're so impressionable and the people who are teaching you you know, you kind of take that as Bible almost. And so when you do hear that, oh, you need to know what your brand is, it kind of is this moment of like, oh my God, what is my brand? Oh, I, I could play the, um, the, the nice girl next door. That's my brand. That's the roles that I'm going to go for. But you, you know, you can't play that role forever. <laughs> and no, also- but already, already what they've done is they've got you limiting yourself about you're you're trying to work out what you can do Mm. as opposed to potentially what you can't do Mm. and what you should be stretching yourself to try and do i i i don't understand it it doesn't make sense because as as i represent people as the company represents people as they come out of drama school it's it it all unfolds over time you you can and um, send a, a prepare an actor, give them the script, give them as much information as possible. But then it's out of your hands when they go into an audition room with a casting agent and they do a screen test. Um, I don't want any of the people I represent to not be considered for as wide a range of opportunity as they possibly can. Mm. Um, so I think what I'm getting at is young actors actually evolve and change in front of your eyes over the years. You know, you, you, I, I, I celebrate the fact that I'm constantly surprised by the wonderful performances that people find within themselves. What I, what I want to know is when you initially, st- when you launched that, launched the Sydney um, office on the Tuesday, what what kind of process did you put in place then to go out and find actors to represent? What was the, what where was your head at in terms of that situation? Well, remember I had the mentorship of the agent in Melbourne and she'd yes. been an agent for a long time. So I was able to call upon her and ask her questions whilst trying to work out my own process. I, I did what any other um, developing agent does. I went out to drama schools and performances. Um, I, I studied uh, audition tapes that were, were sent or were shared. I got to know the industry and casting agents. Um, and once casting agents trusted that my intent was real and that I, I wanted to do this as a career, um, they started offering suggestions of people that they had just auditioned that didn't have representation. Um, mm. And it, it took me a long time to work out a rhythm to work out the difference between what I liked, what the industry liked, and try and find a happy medium between those two. Because the industry's... Um, desire for actors changes and shifts yes with yeah. time um and so i i started slowly and quietly and and just kept my head down and 
built up my books over a period of time. And it, it, I think the defining point for me was when um, an, a, a wonderful actor by the name of Bill Hunter um, chose to join my agency. That was, that was a moment that changed my life and the way that I represented clients because of Bill. Um, but it also changed the level that I was then considered as. Mm. Um, I was now representing one of Australia's iconic actors. So um, that opened a, a number of doors for me. Yeah. What do you think it was that Bill um, saw in you that made him sign with you? Um, I heard he was unrepresented. He just left Harry M. Miller. Mm-hmm. Um I knew a little bit of Bill's reputation and he was particularly well known around most of the bars and hotels in Sydney. Um, He was a giant of a man. He was six foot four. Um, He had a a wandering spirit. You could never find him. And, but he had a, a, a vault like memory. He remembered everything ever. Um, so he was a storyteller, uh, and I, when I heard he was uh, on, you know, on the market, he was looking for representation. I tracked down his phone number and I phoned him at home, and his wife at the time answered the phone, and I was so nervous. You know, I'm, I'm speaking to Bill Hunter for goodness' sake. Anyway, uh, we had a very brief conversation. He got off the phone apparently, and he spoke to his lovely wife, Rhoda Roberts and said, you know, this upstarts called me, you know, what do you make of that? And she said, well, he's the only one that's made the effort to find your number and call you. You should go see him. And we met. We had probably the, one of the funniest meetings I've ever had in my life. And he there sat at my desk and he hand wrote our contract together. And I've <laughs> I've still got it framed. I've got it framed in my office right now. Oh, that's so nice. Um, and from that day on, uh, this is the moment that turned for me how I represented clients. Um, I had a call about him from massive Australian Labor Party campaign. And I called Bill and said, uh, you know, you've been offered this campaign. He said, we... I said, sorry. He said, we've been offered this campaign. And that was the moment when I realised what a true partnership was about. Mm. And we worked that way, you know, for the next 14 years together, hand in hand. Um, uh, he, he did Muriel's wedding and, and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and, and, Strictly ballroom and just about everything you can think of. Um, he, he had his wonderful ways about him. I had to negotiate a particular fee. He generally wouldn't sign contracts. And I had to always negotiate a little bit extra. There was an extra thing called the walking around. Okay. And I didn't understand what the walking around was. But that's cash in your back pocket that you get extra. It doesn't. It it obviously doesn't exist now in in feature film land, because the accountants run most of the books. Um, but 
uh, all the way up until the day that I buried Bill was was the most remarkable part of my career. You know, it it gave me an amazing um, uh, base to work from and a working ethic to learn from, and that I could hopefully share with other clients. Of course, I think that that idea of of partnership and working essentially as a team is such an important mindset to carry with you in this industry no matter what um job you are doing i think especially between actors and agents you know i think sometimes we fall into the trap of my agent is the gatekeeper and i owe them so much and you know i like I, I will be careful how what I say to them because I don't want to offend them. Not not that you should offend your agent. That's not what I'm saying. But I think, you know, to view them as a, a, team, a part of your team, a team member is so powerful. You're working for essentially the same thing. They're not kind of holding auditions and being like, well, now, now you have proved to me that you deserve this audition. Here you go kind of thing. It's this... You know, it, it's this wonderful partnership that you can have. And I think that makes your career so fulfilling. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I, think, I think most managers or agents would probably say the same thing as what you've just said. Mm. Finding that style of relationship is so fulfilling mm. for you as a representative too. Yeah. So it, it certainly goes both ways. If, and it's all about chemistry and, and timing and, a whole range of things but um when those special relationships come along don't let them go yes that's right as in life as well you know with friends and um romantic partners when a special one comes along don't let them go <laughs> absolutely. absolutely so um the casting game has vastly changed um since you know you've been working as an agent especially with the um technology the technology boom and um now being able to self-tape wherever and submit that over the internet um when when did you see that change and how did you kind of adapt your methods with that look we we remain like we say with our actors we we as a, a company remain very very fluid um and I embrace new technology. There's some of my colleagues don't so much, but I love new technology. So we uh, started developing, for instance, a, a booking database almost 25 years ago that I worked with a developer on that stands to this day as one of the finest booking systems because the technology was there. It, we could become more efficient. We could do more for our clients. So. Uh, when the tools become available, we, we grab them. Um, the the self-testing now, uh, we set up a room in our office, I think about seven years ago, for clients to be able to come in and use and self-test. Um, the opportunities being able to self-test present to clients is extraordinary, but it also comes with a certain price and and that is that actors can spend hours doing a three-minute self-test to get it just right what 
they're missing out on is that wonderful uh, experience of putting everything on the line and going in for a casting agent or a producer or a director and having them there in the room and being able to come up with the goods there and then. Mm. So it, there's 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 a little bit of a um, an unequal uh, presentation at the moment with self-test because it's almost like a social media post. It's the very best version of yourself. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so I, I see great opportunity, but at the same time, I I would love to see actors challenging themselves more, you know, in more uh, uh, more in anxious environments and seeing how they they respond to that. Um, the systems have obviously vastly improved. Everything is is now very quickly and efficiently done online. Um, I still encourage, and everyone that works at Morrissey still, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled and proud to see that they are constantly calling the casting agents, are constantly speaking to their clients rather than emailing, rather than texting. Um, you don't, there's, there's a, a support mechanism that you need to be there for your client. And I don't think it's particularly satisfying for anyone to do that via email or text. So um, we ensure to be speaking to the casting agents because their personal connection is so very important. When, a, when a, uh, an actor goes in for an audition, um, for us to get a, as truthful of feedback about their work that they've just done, even if it's bad. It's good to know if it's bad because then we, we tear it apart and work out why was it bad? Why didn't mm. it work? And it, 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 sometimes we all have bad days. There may have been a personal issue going on. There may have been work didn't enable enough time to study the script. For your representative to know the good and the bad means they can properly represent you. There, there's no judgment there. Um, it's more about if you present a client to a casting agent where three months ago it didn't work, you did a bad job. If we don't know why the casting agent says, no, not quite right for this role, we can't improve that situation for the client. So if they did a bad one, the casting agent is able to say, look, last experience wasn't great. Okay. Let me give you reasons why that didn't work. And please, let's talk about another chance for the client. Um, new technology means that uh, visually uh, 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 people are enhanced and look quite wonderful with as many filters as they like. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, I, I think you have to be very cautious with social media about how you present yourself. Um, I think it still gets back to the work though, even though technology has greatly improved the chances for young actors all around the world, it still gets down to how often are you doing your classes? How often, how much are you working on your voice and on your body? Um, are you as prepared? <laughs> Nature. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's still about being as prepared for that moment. If that moment comes along once or comes along twice, being as prepared for that moment as you possibly can. You know, preparation um, enables your creativity just to flow. If you know the role and the script and the people behind the script and the other actors you may or may not be working with and the work of the director, if you know all of that because you've done your preparation, you're prepared for any question that's going to be asked of you. Mm. You, 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 If you make a choice with the character in the screen test and the casting agent or director says, let's try it a different way, if you've already done your background on who is there in the room and what they're trying to get out of it, you'll be ready to be flexible and bend to whatever the suggestions are. So again, it gets back to being as as fluid as you possibly can. Be open to the experience. Mm. Which I think is encouraging advice to say the least because everyone has the ability to be prepared. You know, it's obviously you have to have skills as an actor um, and have that talent initially, but it, it should be an encouragement to people first starting out thinking, oh, I'm not, I don't think I'm very good. You have the ability to improve. You have the ability to be prepared in the future for what is to come. And I think that's, you know, that should be such an encouragement to everyone in the industry. Yes, it is about who you know and that sort of thing. But if you can bring your best self to the situation, I think that, again, makes it more fulfilling for everyone involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and. Remembering that everyone has the same insecurities. Mm -hmm. Everyone in that actor's waiting room about to go in is feeling just as nervous and as insecure as you are. But if you're looking for some sort of an edge, being prepared when you walk in that room may be your edge. For sure. Um, Now, you did mention it before, but um, you are a producer as well um, and you also currently have your own production company um, producing films, which is great. Um, So when you first, obviously with um, when you're talking about when you started renting the theatre in Glebe, was that kind of initially, as well as the cabaret, um, where you kind of found what producing was and found the interest in it? I think what I was exposed to was um, a different level of questions that you're, you're asked about your advice on every potential level you can consider. Uh, working as an actor, it was fairly straightforward, the questions I would be asked and what it was expected of me. But there are so many contingencies when you're producing that you can never, ever expect. So, again, it's, it's for an inquiring mind, it's a constant state of challenge. Um, you know, there were, there, were, there were unknown circumstances in this play reading yesterday um, that... No one would have thought of. I, I, I discovered that one of the actors was on a chair with wheels. Now, 
so what anyone says but what that what that did for me as i was directing it is that it took away the power from the actor because she was constantly in a state of movement there was no stillness about her performance and that wasn't her fault it wasn't my fault it wasn't anyone we, we all learned from that experience but a a, a solid chair without wheels is required if you're going to be doing some sort of presentation on zoom in a, in a meeting like that there's always always wonderful things to learn in producing you know we um i have a remarkable opportunity i, I picked up the option on the book three, three years ago and i've been developing that three years ago excuse me why the kookaburra is laughing <laughs> i love this this is so australian <laughs> See, that's that's nature's way of saying, Morrissey, you're taking yourself way too seriously at this point. <laughs> it's a size um, from the universe. <laughs> um, it, it, and I, through various, uh, it's an American book, but it's about an Australian figure uh, from the 1920s. It's, it's an astounding, like, hidden figure story. So I've been developing it for about two and a half years. And it wasn't until recently that a relationship opened where David E. Kelly's writing partner, Jonathan Shapiro, um, and I met, we talked about the project and Jonathan came on board as an executive producer and writer on, on the project Burning Bridges. Um, the opportunities that present you as a producer keep you nimble. You have to keep on your toes because there are unanswerable questions around the corner. Um, I think that's why I, I enjoy it so much as what mm. I do. Yeah, I mean, it definitely uh, meshes well with your personality, like you said, that you're a bit of a wanderer. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a, a restless spirit. Yes, yeah. yeah. Or a spontaneous spirit. <laughs> um with with projects then that you you are looking to produce what what kind of sparks your interest in a, a certain project what do you kind of look for personally okay well script hands down i i'm i'm a voracious reader i love reading scripts and i adore reading books um so i read a lot per week um i'd probably get through somewhere between seven to 12 scripts and at least one, maybe two books per week. Wow. Um, and I've done that for a long time. And the other aspect of this is the success I had with actors um, internationally meant that I was part of an international team when it came to reading scripts. So I was, I was being sent and being offered uh, scripts to read that were world-class, that were the best script from the best writer on the planet. So my uh, that elevated my level of reading to even more so that when I come across a script that I think is right, my instincts tell me that if I think it's right, it's, it may sound a bit arrogant, I don't mean to be, but if I think it's right, it's got a very, very good chance of being able to play on an international stage because I'm I'm reading those international scripts right now. Yeah, well, I think, you know, that comes down to instinct 
and being in touch with kind of who you are as a person and listening to that instinct that you initially have about something and going, well, you know, it's been right however many times in the past. I've got to trust that feeling in myself, you know? Well, perhaps I've been very wrong many times. (laughs) Many, many times. (laughs) Well, in terms of internationally then as an agent, um, when did you kind of branch out to start sending um, Australian actors specifically um, over to America? And in your experience as an agent, what is different about dealing with the casting directors over there for you? Wow. Okay, so I was, again, fortunate enough to be given an extraordinary introduction to uh, William Morris. It's now... WMA, but when it was William Morris, there was uh, a man running the talent division by the name of Arnold Rivkin. And I was given a personal introduction to Arnold. um, And that set me on a path of learning as much as I could about the American system of representation. And it was more organized than you could ever imagine. It was streamlined. It made sense. they had uh, work ethics in place that were hard to match. They were in work early. They were there in the office until nine, ten o'clock at night. Um, and so what I did was I didn't want to duplicate what they did, but I wanted to cherry pick the very best of what they did um, in America. So I brought those lessons back and started widening my circle of influence with Uh, agents and managers in America and when I learned what they were looking for I started looking for that and developing that here in Australia Um, and Australia was a perfect development ground because we had and have such great television as training grounds for young actors and putting them under the sort of pressure I was talking about that doesn't exist with a self-test Uh, putting them under enormous acting pressure to do X number of scenes per day. When they left those those soap operas or television series, they were so prepared um, when they got to America. And and remember the thing that we had, uh, Australian had, Australians had over maybe Irish or or, uh, English actors was that we're brought up on American culture. Mm, Yeah. And, and so for a lot of actors, the epitome was to actually land in LAX and, you know, go start meeting people. So the, the formula I used is I flew over and accompanied around about 90% of all of my actors. Uh, I sat in meetings with all of them, with agents and with managers. Uh, we'd discuss who they would choose together or... Um, you know, I just acted as a third eye or as an advisory eye because it's very it's very overwhelming, you know, that uh, American industry knows how to do a meeting like nobody, nobody's business. And you walk out feeling like you're on cloud nine and you're the, the most important person they've ever met. Hmm. Um, and it's good to have a sober voice to to just be able to help steer through perhaps what is real and what's not. Um but once I started introducing 
clients to agents and, and managers once I started understanding what 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 they were after and I was able to supply that demand is how I expanded. And the second part of your question, how how is it working with American agents and managers, it's 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 an interesting challenge on a on a daily basis because they generally have um, they're generally extraordinarily educated, uh, generally have gone through law school, have, like we talked about, started in the mailroom at a very early age, determined that the only thing they're going to do is be an agent or therefore a manager. Um, and so it's challenging because they challenge you with their degree of, of, of business acumen. You've got to be on your game. And it's also important, I think, um, for any sort of representative that decides to continue to live in Australia or London or wherever their territory is, that if a client goes to live in another territory, you have to be open to the fact that the relationship is going to change. You have to know your strength in the relationship. I, I don't think it's healthy to necessarily expect the relationship to be the same as when they were working here in Australia all the time. If they've moved to America, if they've now got a family, if they've got representation, you, you've just got to feel comfortable about what your role has been in that career. Mm. Well, it comes back to that adaptability, doesn't it? Being, you know, so willing to be adaptable. Yeah. And, and also knowing that, you know, your role it has been fulfilling role to get to that point. You've had a, a wonderful relationship. Now it's time to go back to Australia and find the new wave of wonderful people to represent, the new wave that are, are going to be international stars. So that's what I think we all should be looking out to do. Mm. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've said some great things that... Just for me personally, I will take away and enjoy. Now, I know people can find um, Morrissey Management. What is it? Do you um, know what your website address is off the top of your head? Oh, it's it's really difficult. Let me see if I can remember it. <laughs> it's uh, morrissey.com.au. There you go. <laughs> Simple and to the point. <laughs> Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and we will hopefully talk to you soon. No, thank you very much for the invite. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank Thanks. you.